Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hey, friends. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. And we want to make sure that you know about all the other exciting ways to get more exclusive content from The Bill Press Show. We're on Patreon. Did you know that? On Patreon. So to go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash BP show to get videos that nobody else gets. All we ask is five bucks a month and you get access to daily commentary. And every week we put up a special interview just for our Patreon subscribers. Hey, it's a great way to support progressive media and get your hands on some fun, new, exclusive content. Thanks so much for supporting the show by going to patreon.com slash BP show. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is the Bill Press Show live at youtube.com slash the Bill Press Show. The war is over 65 years later. Can you believe it? The Korean War is over. What do you say? Hello, everybody. Hey, a little bit of good news to start off here this uh, Friday, Friday, April 27. How about it? So good to see you today with uh, another busy, busy news day. Uh, how can we keep up with it, man? i got to tell you, you got to run fast. It's uh, not fair that we only have two hours a day to uh, bring you up to date on all the news of the day because there's too much happening on so many fronts. But we will uh, bring you the latest, yes, on these historic summit yesterday uh, in, uh, at the demilitarized zone between North and South Korea. Uh, they may get rid of that demilitarized zone soon if uh, the talks actually prove as fruitful as they appeared yesterday. Donald Trump, a bad day yesterday when uh, one of his nominees, his nominee for VA secretary, has to withdraw, uh, faced with uh, new allegations of misconduct, and his EPA administrator faces, uh, faced a real drubbing on Capitol Hill, rightly deserved. Uh, if Donald Trump had any sense, he would fire Scott Pruitt. If Scott Pruitt had any decency, he would resign. And a blockbuster verdict up in Norristown, Pennsylvania. Bill Cosby, second time around, guilty on all three charges, could face 30 years in prison. All of that to talk about, all of that for you to comment on. And remember how you do it. Go to Twitter, at BP Show, at BP Show. Let us hear from you as we go through the news of the day, which we will will in which we will in just a minute. But first, this is the full court press. Yep, just a couple of other stories making news. Hey, last night was the NFL draft. Who went number one? Well, it was Baker Mayfield, quarterback, who was drafted by the Cleveland Browns. Now, if you followed NFL and you followed the foot- football at all. 
you'll know that the Cleveland Browns have a history of drafting quarterbacks and then running them into the ground. There is a long, long history of them drafting quarterbacks that go nowhere. They get hurt. They are busts. They're not yeah. very good. But congratulations to Baker Mayfield on being <laughs> the number one pick. Uh, running out the top three, we'll just do the top three. The Giants selected Saquon Barkley from Penn State, and the Jets picked up another quarterback, Sam Darnold, uh, from USC. So that is the NFL draft. Breaking news, Bill. Just happened overnight. We found out the name of uh, name. Prince William yes. and Kate Middleton's baby. We knew they had a baby boy. Baby boy's name is Prince Louis. Prince Louis Arthur Charles. Prince Louis. Is it Louis? Don't you think? I don't know. I think the British would pronounce it Louis. No. I don't know. I mean, they'll call him Louis. But sure. Yeah. L-O-U-I-S. Yeah. yeah. Louis, Louis. Louis, whatever. At the end of the day, I really don't care because, as we mentioned before, we don't have to care about this kind of stuff, right? Uh, It's over 200 years now. We don't have to care about that anymore. Yes, exactly. Kensington Palace put out a statement early this morning. Uh, The baby will be known as His Royal Highness Prince Louis of Cambridge. Totally normal. Louis Arthur Charles. Yes. Well, well, what's interesting to me about that is, you know, there was a lot of betting going on what the name was going to be. Right. And the number one bet was Arthur. Oh, really? Yeah. So that Why lot, is that? Because people thought it was going to be named Arthur. Right, right, right. But is there any significance to the name? I, didn't, I don't know. Uh, Again, 237 years? Too sure. I haven't given <laughs> a with, damn. I'm with you. But um, a lot of people lost a lot of money is what I'm saying. Okay. Yeah. All right. Right. You, guys, you should get a little something back on your bet because it was close. <laughs> anyway, yesterday Amazon announced that they had uh, their their earnings, and believe it or not, they reported their best revenue growth in more than six years. They brought in over $1 billion in profits for the second straight quarter. Now That's because they don't pay any postage. because they don't pay anything. <laughs> right. I was going to say taxes no. or postage. Postage, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> This is the Bill Press Show. 65 years later, the Korean War finally comes to a close, at least. That's what North Korea and South Korea agreed to yesterday. They're going to sign a peace treaty later in the year. Hello, hello, everybody. What do you say? On a great big, great big Friday, April 27, what a week it has been. Uh, You know, (laughs) But we say that every Friday. I know. <laughs> I know. Every Friday. I mean, it's just one disaster after another, just about. Uh, and the week isn't over. Uh, Angela Merkel shows up at the White pardon me, at the White House today. Talk about an afterthought. It's almost like nobody cares after everything that's happened this week. Uh, you know, like if we're like a sponge, like we can't absorb any more news or any more water. Uh, they ought to just take. It's not fair, not fair for the uh, German uh, chancellor to come to uh, Washington uh, on on a Friday after the week that we have had. Wherever you are in this uh, great land of ours, wherever you are on the planet, we welcome you to the program to the Bill Press Show. 
jo joining you coast to coast on every available platform. Here we are on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Here we are on Free Speech TV, and here we are on the radio, statewide in Indiana, on Indiana Talks, and out in uh, the greater Chicago area on WCPT. Greetings to everybody, and thank you so much for joining us. Great lineup of guests today. Melanie Zanona from The Hill will be here. Justin Singh covers the White House for Bloomberg News, joining us as well. And then Emily Loop, Emma, Emma Loop, I'm sorry, from BuzzFeed News. With the top stories of the day, guilty, 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 Bill Cosby, guilty on three counts. Mike Pompeo, our new Secretary of State, sworn in soon after he got the votes yesterday. Donald Trump uh, taking over Fox and Friends. Uh, but there's no doubt about what job he's going to have after he leaves the White House, right? And the sooner the better, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, I'm sure many of you as well. On the couch at Fox and Friends as the new host of Fox and Friends. He's, he debuted yesterday with a half an hour rambling interview. Never seen anything like that from anybody, let alone uh, the president of the United States. Uh, and Scott Pruitt, bad day on Capitol Hill. Uh, it's too bad Congress can't fire him. They were ready to yesterday, but uh, they already confirmed him. So now it's up to the president and to Scott Pruitt what happens from here. But let's start with that great big summit yesterday. Yes, President Moon of South Korea, Kim Jong-un of North Korea, meeting for the very, very first time. There were so many firsts yesterday um, but that you just can't keep track of them. I mean, first time Moon went north, first time Kim Jong-un ever stepped in the south, first time the two of them had ever met, first time the leaders of the two countries had ever met. I mean, on and on. Um, by the way, there was... They sat at the uh, peace table in the DMZ. There was one woman only at the table, and that was Kim Jong-un's sister, whom Mike Pence, of course, refused to shake hands with at the, oh, that's at right. the Winter the Olympics. Olympics. That's yeah, right. just shows again what a putz Mike Pence is. Uh, Wait, so those men were all okay being in a room alone with a woman? Because we know Mike Pence isn't. Oh, that's right. <laughs> he, he, he would not have sat at the table. No. No, because Karen was not there alongside of him. <clears throat> you mean mother. A mother, I'm sorry, was not there, right, alongside <laughs> of him. Uh, but it was, it was a, this is a big deal, folk, a big deal, because since the end of the Korean War, I mean, it has been over for 65 years, but never officially ended, no, never officially signed a peace treaty at the end of it. And yesterday they agreed to two things, two big things. They agreed that before the end of the year is out, they are going to sign the official tr peace treaty ending the Korean War. Uh, and they also agreed that they will work toward the goal of denuclearization, I can say it, Donald Trump can't, of denuclearization of the entire Korean Peninsula. And if, I mean, if that happens, I mean, that's what, I, I'm, I'd be surprised if that happens, but that means that North Korea would give up its nuclear weapons program. Hard to believe, but that was the agreement that was signed yesterday work toward the goal of denuclearization of the entire Korean Peninsula. And it means that those two countries will still be two countries, but will exist uh, peacefully uh, with trade deals and other exchanges and people able to travel back and forth between the North and the South, again, which will be huge, historic, hasn't happened yet, uh, but the promise is there. And um, 
You have to give the credit, I think, to President Moon of South Korea, who all the time that Donald Trump was hurling epithets and rhetoric and call and name calling at Kim Jong Un, President Moon of South Korea kept saying, "No, we want a different approach. We want a diplomatic approach. We want talks with North Korea." And he's the one that initiated these talks uh, to again end the war 65 years later. Um, I I thought it was I was fascinated this morning. Uh, so think about that scene, right? Here's your enemy from the north with all these missiles aimed at South Korea. And here's, as far as North Korea is concerned, the front man for the United States, the president of South Korea, their arch enemy. And they actually, the just the two of them meet for the first time. They speak the same language, right? What do you say to each other? You know, yeah, right. I mean, yeah, <laughs> what do you say? Right. Well, we know what they said. Uh, there were cameras, there, microphones, and cameras there. I just want to read through. I think this is great. Kim says, "I'm glad to meet you. I'm so glad." First words. <laughs> okay. I'm glad to meet you. I'm so. We're glad. off to a good start. Moon, was there any difficulty coming here? Kim, not at all. Moon, it's a pleasure to meet you. Perfect. Kim. Indeed, I'm so filled with excitement because of the meeting at this historic site, and I was truly moved that you have come all the way to receive me at the military demarcation line at Pamunjan. Moon, it was your bold and courageous decision that has allowed us to come this far. Whoa! Yeah. Kim, no, 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 not at all. Moon, we have made a historic moment. Kim, I'm pleased to meet you. And then Moon says... Would you please stand on this side? So at this point, they're both on the, there's a, like a concrete little um, raised, it's a, it's, a, it's a line, sure. but it's a raised line. Sure, you know? sure, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's yeah. like two or three inches high uh, of concrete. And so Kim's on the North Korean side, and Moon's, when they, ex- all that exchange, they were speaking at Standing each other. Standing on either side of the across line. Across the line. No yeah. way. Yeah. And then Moon said, would you please stand on this side? Wow, man. And then he steps over, and Moon says, you have come to the south side. When will I be able to come to the north? Kim says, maybe this is the right time for you to enter the North Korean territory. And he stepped over the line to the north. Isn't that cool? You know, it's <laughs> really, really cool. cool. Yeah. It's very, very cool. But it's also kind of like for all, I mean, look, Kim Jong-un, at the end of the day, not a good guy. No. All right? No. Not an honorable man, as no. Donald Trump called him. But- I mean that's a that's more diplomacy than we've seen from our president. You know? Oh, totally. Totally. Yeah. No. And you know, again, to have the actual words. Yeah. I mean, go back in history. I don't know. It wouldn't be nice to know what Charlemagne said to whatever, <laughs> you know. <laughs> right, right, right. I don't know, or Douglas MacArthur said to the head of the Japanese when they got on the battleship to sign the peace treaty at the end of World War II. You know what yeah. I mean? To have yeah. the actual words. When they see each other for the very first time and shake hands. That's really cool. Yeah. I like that. And yeah. So a historic moment. Absolutely. And it could be uh, that we have uh, the summit still coming up with Donald Trump and Kim Jong-un. Donald Trump did speak about that yesterday as one of the things he touched on in his uh, interview with uh, Fox News, uh, if we can find that, where he says... um, we're still working, still working on the location, 
We have a decision to be made. We have three or four dates, and that includes right. locations. We have five locations. Great. Mm-hmm. Again, I was told by a South Korean reporter that they're down to two locations uh, the other day. But Donald Trump says still up to five. And he still says we're not even sure uh, there's going to be a summit. And again, he said this before. And if there is, I might just walk out. So it could be that I walk out quickly. With respect, but it could be. It could be that maybe the meeting doesn't even take place. Who knows? But I can tell you right now, they want to meet. Yep. I okay. could walk out quickly with respect. With respect, yeah. It's gotta be. Yes. Yeah. I won't be an a-hole about it. I'll respectfully storm out of this historic summit. Yeah. How can you storm like a out? child. How can you storm out with respect? Yeah. Right? No. no. Uh, at any rate, he's got to say that because he's got to show how tough he is, right? So uh, start on that moment. Big news out of Norristown, Pennsylvania yesterday, indeed. It was a long time in coming. Uh, this was sort of um, shows that uh, the Me Too movement has finally arrived, I guess. Bill Cosby found guilty by the jury in a sexual assault case. Uh, New York Times headline says it's seen as a turning point. In fact, it is. Um, and he was found guilty on all three counts. Uh, the judge allowed him to remain in his home until sentencing time. He could face up to 10 years on each count would probably serve those uh, that term simultaneously, so not 30 years, maybe about 10 years on three counts. At any rate, um, uh, the uh, and uh, afterwards, Gloria Allred, who represent, there are dozens. This is the, the one woman, was it, Andrea? I forget her name exactly. Oh, the one clip we have? No, uh, um, I'm just the Andrea Con- Constant. Yeah, okay. This, yeah, yeah, this yeah, woman. Yeah. But there were dozens of women who accused him, basically, of drugging them and having sex with them uh, against their consent. This happened, according to her, and the jury believed it, in his home. Uh, And of all those cases, this is the one case where he was found guilty. The statute of limitations had expired on many of the others. Gloria Allred, who represented some of the other women outside the courthouse uh, after the verdict. We're very, very happy and proud of this result. You know, um, this is a long time in coming for women victims of sexual assault, sexual harassment, sexual assault particularly, uh, to get their day in court and to be taken seriously and for men, men, the perpetrators, to be held responsible. Um, I got to tell you, Times have changed. It took a long time, but times have, I think, indeed changed today. This would not have happened 20 or 30 years ago. No way. You know, and today, we said this before, but I was reminded of it again when I saw this verdict. Today, Clarence Thomas would never be on the Supreme Court. Never, never, never. Uh, and um, Anita Hill brought that forward and, and the United States Senate. Basically didn't pay any attention to her. Just said, oh, well, that's the way things are around the workplace, right? Yeah. Stuff that she accused Clarence Thomas of. And again, like, I mean, as you put out, that wasn't that long ago. No, not that long ago. He's still on the court. Yeah. yeah. Boy, I'd love to see that, Kate. I'd love to see that. Let's go back to, and have another. Let's reconfirm. Let's, let's try it. to reconfirm Clarence Thomas. Let's do it. Yeah. It wouldn't happen. Bring all of that back, indeed. Oh, man. So we mentioned uh, this interview with Donald Trump on Fox and Friends. It was unbelievable. So here is the president of the United States on the phone 
to a morning show on cable, his that he watches every day, for 30 minutes, okay? I wouldn't give 30 minutes to Fox and Friends, right? He's got nothing more better to do, probably sitting in bed in his pajamas. And the but, three of them are sitting on the couch with as he just rambles from subject to subject, point to point, all over the place. So they, you, I mean, he just took over. They couldn't control him. No, not, not at, at all. Not right. even close. And you know, I mean, it's so funny to me as someone who watches politics, someone who watches media, right? Like, what goes into lining up interviews with these elected officials, right? I, especially for the president of the United States. We know. We know what that's like. Yeah. Yeah. And for the president of the United States, you I mean it takes weeks to line something up. And you know that usually we'll get people high profile people and you got to give them a list of questions oh, yeah. of what they want oh, yeah. at, where we want to yeah. go exactly, yeah. no surprises. No. And Donald Trump just woke up and called in. By the way, well he, he did say the night before he yeah. was going to be on. Right. But I'll tell you one thing. But he didn't show up anywhere. No. He just called in. Called in. But uh, let me tell you, of course, the, he broke that rule during the campaign. Yeah. Nobody else could. We said we mentioned that all the time. Nobody else could have gotten, gotten, pardon me, gotten away with that. No Nobody way. ever has. No way. I'll tell you something else. Uh, I know for a fact, even though I haven't talked to anybody to confirm it, that they didn't call him. He called them and said, I want to be on tomorrow. Would you take me? To, you know, I want to be on tomorrow. And they said, of course. Yeah. And then he tweeted out. I'm going to be on Fox and Friends, 8 o'clock, Thursday morning. And boy, he was. So, first of all, he talks on a lot of topics. We'll just cover a couple here. Uh, on Ronnie Jackson. Uh, yes, indeed, Ronnie Jackson. Uh, the, the president saying it's all false. None of it is true. All these allegations, all false. These are all false accusations. that were made. These are false. Uh, they're trying to destroy a man. Destroy a man. Oh, yeah. Uh, and Donald Trump says, I mean, uh, Ronnie Jackson? There's nothing. He did nothing wrong. He's got a perfect record. There's no proof of this. And he has a perfect record. He's got this beautiful record, unblemished. Unblemished. I mean, think yes. about that for a second. Just think about what he just said for a minute. Yeah. We've got these stories about Ronnie Jackson becoming out all right. week. Mm -hmm. Take right. your pick. He's uh, created a hostile work environment. He drinks on the job. He drives drunk. He hands out pills prescription pills to people all the time. There's no proof of this. And he has a perfect record. He's got this yeah. beautiful record. Mm -hmm. Unblemished. Is that a beautiful, unblemished record? Yeah. Is that right. a perfect, beautiful, unblemished record? 24 people who have worked with him, military, members of the military, and civilians have come forward and talked to members of the Senate about these allegations and his so-called perfect record. And they've also talked to the New York Times. The Times adding another twist this morning saying three current and former colleagues said that Dr. Jackson was sometimes intoxicated during overseas trips and that staff members were often ordered to leave a bottle of rum and a Diet Coke in his hotel room. Damn. Of course, anybody who likes a rum and coke. I'm, that's you know, your drink. That's my drink. Right? Rum and that's Diet one Coke. Of my that's one of your yeah, drinks, but... <laughs> Bill. <laughs> uh, at any rate, the evidence is mounting. Uh, and uh, as I said yesterday, uh, someday we're going to see the police report of the car that he wrecked when he was uh, intoxicated 
while coming home from a reti- Secret Service retirement party. Is that part of his perfect unblemished record? Unblemished record, right. Um, but meanwhile, Dr. Jackson does continue, by the way, to be the white, the official White House physician. He's still in that job. Uh, we'll see for how long. Uh, Donald Trump also touched on Michael Cohen, and he made a little news there, maybe unwillingly or unwittingly. Uh, first of all, he said, no, it, people talk about Michael Cohen being my, being my attorney. No, 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 he's not my attorney. He's really a businessman, most of all. Michael is a businessman. He's got a business. He also practices law. I would say probably the big thing is his business. And they're looking at something having to do with his business. I have nothing to do with his business. Uh, yeah, nothing to do with his business. And he said, well, he did some legal work for me, but not very much. As a percentage of my overall legal work, a tiny, tiny little fraction. Tiny, tiny, tiny little fraction. But he did slip here, letting the cat out of the bag. Remember, for a long time, Donald Trump is saying, Stormy Daniels, I know nothing about it. Any money that she was given, I knew nothing about it. Mike, I was all Michael Cohn. I had nothing to do with it. Uh-oh, listen to this. He represents me like with this uh, crazy Stormy Daniels deal. Ooh. He represented me. And, uh, you know, oh, from oh. what I see, he did absolutely mm. nothing wrong. There were no campaign funds. Oh, yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... Michael he just Cohen. can't help himself. Michael Cohen was representing him in the Stormy Daniels thing, and now we st- we're supposed to believe he's representing him in Stormy Daniels, and he doesn't know that Michael Cohen pays her one hundred and thirty thousand dollars. It's falling apart, folks. Yeah, I mean, falling apart. That he, story. He he really can't help himself. No, no, no. Like, he can't just <laughs> stick to the story. I've said this from day one: to, to run a successful cover up. You're going to have to say some things that you don't necessarily want to say. You're going to have to lie to get yourself out of trouble, right? And he can't do it. I mean, he can lie, but he can't say something that he doesn't want to say. Well, the problem is he tells him any lies. Right. He can't they, keep track. No, exactly. They start tripping over it. He starts tripping over his own lies. Uh, and not surprising, of course, uh, they, uh, the Fox and Friends host, uh, they want to. They want. They ask Donald Trump. Okay, you've been there, you know, a year and what four months so far. Uh, so, what kind of a what kind of a grade would you give yourself? I would give myself an A plus. Nobody has done what I've been able to do, and I did it despite the fact that I have a phony uh, cloud over my head. Oh yeah, right. The uh, most predictable answer he could have possibly uh, totally, given. Totally, totally predictable. Right. If he had said even an A. <laughs> right. It would have been a shocker. I'm right? surprised to say A++ with extra credit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, totally. Uh, the funniest, uh, I don't know whether we have time for it, but the funniest was when they were trying at the end, they were trying to shut him up, and he just kept talking and talking about the Justice Department rant, ranting on, but they finally, they, they, they finally did uh, shut him up. Um, uh <laughs> The other thing he said, though, um, are we going to show? We can play it. Yeah, sure. Right, no, I think it's it. funny because it mean, is funny. So, he was in mid rant. Right. Right. Okay. By the let's way, let's just set the context again. This is the president of the United States, and you got your three co- co-hosts. They're sitting on the couch, just frozen, fixed, looking at the screen, 
uh, and listening to Donald Trump, and they know they've got to go. Yeah, they've got to go. He is. He had been uh, ranting about the Justice Department. Yeah. Literally, somebody counted for two minutes forty-seven seconds. Oh God! Yeah. Uninterrupted, unchecked. Yeah. He's yeah. just blah, 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 yeah. blah, blah. he's not going to sit down with Mueller. He's not going to cooperate. So he's in the middle of this. And they've got a hard out that we call in the business, like, you know, we do at the top of the hour. Yeah. you got to get out. And they knew that. And they're trying to shut up the president of the United States. They finally should have just, just shut up. Right? And you look at the corruption <laughs> at the top of the FBI, it's a disgrace. And our <laughs> Justice Department, which I try and stay away from, but at some point I won't. Our okay. Justice Department should okay. be looking okay. at that kind of stuff, not the right. nonsense Rap. of collusion Rap. with okay. Russia. There okay. is no collusion Rap. with me right. and Russia. Alrighty. And everyone knows it. Everyone, we, we talked to you all day, but it looks like you, you have could. a million things to do. <laughs> but I hope you could join us again, Thank Mr. You President. Thank you so much for being and with Ainsley, us. Good luck with your book. It's going to be a you. winner. Thank you so much. And happy birthday to uh, Melania. Thank you very much. Right, we'll see you next Thursday, Mr. President. Okay. Phone lines open. Call in again sometime. Right. Good. Thank Thank you. Bye. I, I, I love how they say, uh, it looks like you have a million things to do. Oh, no. What did he do that made it look like he had a million no, things no, to no. do? No, that was just... What impression did he give you? No, what, he none. What, what he was really saying is, we got to get, we got to go. Yeah. Right. It's like, it's like. We have a million things to do. Exactly. Obviously, you don't. Yeah. It's like <laughs> if you see somebody on the street that you really don't want to see because you know they're going to talk to you too much. Oh, I'll let you go. I know you're busy. <laughs> there is no doubt. No doubt that if they had let him go, he could have gone for another half an hour. He'd still be talking. Exactly. Yeah, right. He would have gone from that show into whatever the next show, Bill Hemmer's show. <laughs> <laughs> it would be, uh, this is Fox and Friends. We're listening to the President of the United States. Trump TV. <laughs> Trump TV is a real thing. One other, said, one other thing he said there, which was uh, really, uh, I, I think, disgusting. Uh, he has now declared war, and this ties back to Ronnie Jackson. He's declared war on Senator John Tester from Montana because it was Senator John Tester, ranking Democrat on the Senate Veterans Committee, who um, raised the issues about these allegations, again, that 24 different individuals who have worked with Dr. Jackson uh, uh, have made against his behavior on several fronts. So here's Donald Trump telling Fox and Friends that this whole thing is John Tester's fault and we're going to get him. I think John Tester has to have a big price to pay in Montana. Yeah. So a big price to pay. And some of the Republic, couple of Republican senators also said John Tester painted a big target on his back by coming forward with this news about uh, about Ronnie Jackson. And they're going to make this an issue in his reelection campaign. Well, you know what I say? Bring it on, baby. I mean, can you imagine anything more disgusting? Here's a guy nominated to be head of the Veterans Affairs, obviously not vetted by the White House. And you're in the United States Senate. You've got to confirm this nomination. 24 members of the military and civilians who worked in the White House with him come forward. 24 corroborating all the same stories that they called him Dr. Candy, they called him Dr. Feelgood because he was giving out so many drugs, that he was drunk on the job, that they went to his room to get him because President Obama needed some medical help. He was passed out drunk. On these, these stories go on and on and on. And for a United States senator 
to make that known is that he should have to pay a political price for that, for doing his job, that a United States senator instead should shut up and not say anything and let this guy with all of these problems become head of the Veterans Affairs, the second largest government agency in the country, serving I don't know how many millions of our great veterans. John Tester was doing his job. John Tester ought to get a public service award for doing his job. I say let the Republicans, and Donald Trump says, oh, the people of Montana will will never let John Tester get away with that. I think the people of Montana are going to reelect him overwhelmingly and partly because he's doing his job on this. It's just disgusting that Trump would take this attitude, right, rather than recognize that he screwed up and Ronnie Jackson screwed up and blame it all on John Tester. Um, Wow, so much to talk about. We continue. We didn't get to George, I mean, to Mike Pompeo yet, uh, or Donald Trump and the uh, World Cup. Oh, my God. Too much? We need another hour, Peter. Ask a. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's let's do it. Well, we'll at least uh, make the most of the two hours we've got. Melanie Zanona joins us next from the Hill. So we'll take a quick break, then we'll be right back. Don't go away. And again, we want your comments on Twitter at BP Show. Take the Bill Press Show anywhere you go. Download our free podcast, search for The Bill Press Show on iTunes, and catch the highlights from every show. Hey, you bet on a Friday, uh, April 27. Here we are. It's the day before the White House Correspondents' Dinner in Washington, D.C., so everybody is buzzing here, getting ready for uh, our equivalent of the uh, Oscars. You know, this is about as close as we get, as they say, um, Washington, D.C. is Hollywood for ugly people. Uh, we are the Bill Press Show. We're coming to you live from Washington, D.C., our nation's capital, and our studio on Capitol Hill, where we're brought to you today by the American Federation of Teachers, the great men and women of the AFT. They are marching strong in Arizona, among many other places uh, these days. Uh, teachers demanding uh, equal, I mean, better pay and better working conditions and better resources for their students out in Arizona um, uh, under the leadership of President Randy Weingarten. Check out their website at aft.org. And welcome to the studio. Melanie Zanona covers the Congress for The Hill and joining us this morning. Hi, Melanie. Hi, thanks for having me. Nice to see you. Lots of plans for the big weekend? Yes, I'll be attending some of the White House Correspondents' Dinner Parties. I'm covering one of them for The Hill, so I'll be writing it up. Oh, yeah. that's a uh, th- that's a cheap way to get into a I party. I know, it's a good way to get <laughs> invited By pretending to be yeah. working. <laughs> which, You've never done that, Bill. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's like no. we don't get that many perks as journalists. This is the one we get, so I'm going to take advantage of it. I just crashed them. Which one are you covering? The British Embassy one. The British Embassy yes. one. I'll be there tonight. I'll yes. have to interview then. <laughs> okay. I'll be there. I, I, I have to uh, wear some kind of a sticker in honor of Prince Louis Arthur Charles. Yes. Is that it? Yes, that's yes, right. Yes, Louis Arthur Charles. Uh, we've been uh, at it for a little while here, and uh, a few people commenting. Peter? Yes, indeed. We're on Twitter at BP Show, at BP Show. Joey says, <laughs> Uh oh. Mr. Trump, Kanye West was wrong about your dragon energy. We talked about this oh, yesterday. Yeah. Kanye West said Donald Trump had dragon energy. He says uh, he was wrong about the dragon energy. Your animal spirit is an earthworm because, like you, it has an anus on both ends of its body. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> 
That's a good comment. That's a we really just good read comment. Them. We don't read. I didn't them. write that. Exactly. I didn't write that. We report. You decide. Uh, Luna says, "What? Trump isn't diplomatic. I didn't see the leaders of North and South Korea making out for the cameras like he did with uh, Macron when he was in town. That would have been uh, a little embarrassing. And KG, yeah. I hope he doesn't." Try to kiss Kim Jong Un. I hope not. When they have their summit, or a weird handshake. Yeah, no. yeah, one of those yeah. weird, violent handshakes that he gives. Mm. And KG says Fox and Friends apparently needs a visit from Dr. Ronnie so that they can keep up with Donald Trump. <laughs> you have a comment on any topic at any time? Find us on Twitter at BP Show at BP Show. And remember, as always, we have a chat room on our YouTube channel, YouTube.com/slash The Bill Press Show. That way you could just sort of join the conversation there, and we'll read those uh, if we get some good comments. So check it out. All right. All right, Melanie, so you broke a story yesterday. Let me figure, Let me try to figure this out. So Paul Ryan is a devout Catholic, and he fired a Jesuit priest who was the chaplain of the house. What did this priest do to merit getting fired? Well, Paul Ryan, yes, he is a very devout Catholic, but there's something else about Paul Ryan that you probably already know. He... His life mission on Capitol Hill was this tax reform bill. And apparently one of the things that Republicans and the speaker took issue with was a prayer that the chaplain delivered on the House floor that was sort of construed as critical of the tax law. Um, (laughs) What did he say? He said, you know, he prayed for the deliberations to be fair to all Americans and that there should be no winners and losers under our tax laws. That was the prayer that was said on the House floor. Uh, Some Republicans did not like that. The speaker took issue with that. And then. So last... they think there should be winners and losers. I, well, yeah, I guess that's. There. And we know who they think the winners should be, and we know who they think the losers should be. Right. And then last night, the chaplain gave an interview to the New York Times and sort of confirmed all the things that we reported that, yeah, he got a message from Ryan's chief of staff a week after that prayer was delivered and said, I think you're getting too political uh, with your speeches. Uh, got that message. And then, you know, last week he made the move. Ryan's chief of staff went to the chaplain and said, you need to step aside or we're going to force you out. Isn't it um, g- generally the tradition? First of all, who who appointed this uh, priest uh, to be the chaplain? Well, the House selects their chaplain. It, this was under Boehner. This chaplain, Patrick Conroy, he was uh, under Boehner. 2011, I think, is when he started. John Boehner appointed him. Mm-hmm. And yeah. he has. John Boehner, also a devout also Catholic. Also a devout Catholic. Right. And he actually has a lot of bipartisan support. Nancy Pelosi is very close with him. Also a devout Catholic. Also a Catholic, <laughs> yes. Um, but we were also hearing that there were some members who were saying they weren't feeling like they were getting enough spiritual guidance from the chaplain. Um, so. They, they, you know, some of them felt like they couldn't connect with him, and you know, that was the reason, I'm told by one Democratic lawmaker, that was the reason why Ryan told Pelosi he wanted him to step aside, not because of any prayer. That's what the Speaker's office said. Is the, uh, yeah, I, I, I could call BS on that one. Is, isn't there sort of a tradition that they, um, both party leaders agree on who the chaplain is going to be. I mean, this well, is usually right. not a political football. No, and that's the concern right now on Capitol Hill. They do have a search committee that they put together with Democrats and Republicans to try to find a replacement. But they're worried that under the circumstances now that it's come to light how the chaplain was forced out, that this is going to become politicized in some way, that it's going to taint the process of selecting the replacement. So there's a letter that's being circulated right now that they're going to send to Ryan demanding more answers and information about his decision to fire the chaplain. And then there's also some lawmakers who are now exploring legislation about 
perhaps trying to block the move or reinstate the chaplain. So this issue is not going away anytime soon for the speaker. You know, I got to tell you, um, uh, I'm a Catholic, too. And the idea that you would fire a priest. It's a bad look. It's a bad look. It's a really bad look. And the speaker's office did not want to make waves, especially since they announced the retirement of the speaker. Uh, You know, they're trying to tamp down all the chaos and they just stirred things up. Yeah. I mean, I'm. I, 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 there's a time I, when I was growing up. If you thought you did anything negative about a priest, you would burn in hell, man, for that. This is so Don, this, but this is also the Trump era. I mean, he's someone obviously evangelicals have supported him through and through, no matter what he does. Um, and Trump is not someone who's particularly religious, but you know, he's definitely, um, you know, yeah, gotten I think, them yeah, behind no, him. No, this is this is going to this is going to be a problem for for Paul. So. Probably impossible to reinstate him, but it's going to be interesting to see. I think you'll start seeing those calls grow. I and mean, there's some bipartisan to outrage him? here. Yeah, we've already seen Joe Crowley, another Catholic Democrat, call for this. Uh, Walter Jones is a Republican who's leading this letter, demanding more information. He was one of the lawmakers that was very upset when he learned this. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think you're going to see some, you know, bipartisan backlash here. Right. Uh, yeah. Those those prayers are usually. And even to me, that one sounds pretty harmless, right? You would right. think. You, you would think. Yeah, or loses. Right, it you'd be, think that would be. Wait, a tax law should be fair to all Americans. And that is what. That is seen as a partisan statement? Well, the thing is, the criticisms from the Democrats, the Democrats during that tax law, they were saying that this was creating a system of winner and losers. <laughs> And because that it, it wasn't does, treating everyone it fairly. Does, yeah. So that's why it was construed by some that it was being critical I would point of out, the law and uh, echoing the talking points of the Democrats. Yeah. But I would point out that the Democrats weren't real. They, they might have said that. They weren't the only ones, certainly. And the, the main people saying that were like every financial, um, every organization, you know, every economic group of economists or whatever who looked at that tax law said there were some, and every newspaper, every. Even the Wall Street Journal said there were clear winners and there were clear losers in the tax And I bill. think that's why they were so sensitive to that issue and why it you know, stirred, mean, stirred up some drama when he delivered that prayer. Whoa. The other thing we so, heard, Democrat, one Democratic lawmaker told me they think it also is the fact that he um, invited a Muslim to deliver the prayer on the House floor that oh, some, no. some conservative evangelical Republicans in Congress were upset by that. And that uh, was another <sighs> issue that they had with the chaplain. Um, okay. Uh, what is going on with the leadership now that Paul Ryan? So first of all, he, there's some people I know who want him out like now because you know just have got this guy hanging around that you know is not going to be there uh, after the first of the year. But he's going to hang in, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, I think there's two camps. There are some Republicans who wanted him to step aside. They question whether it's effective to have a lame duck speaker heading into this mid- midterm elections. Can Paul Ryan fundraise? Those sorts of questions. But on the other hand, there is no clear replacement to replace him right now. If they held a election on the House floor, no one would be able to get the 218 to replace him. Not even Kevin McCarthy. Not even Kevin McCarthy. He He's endorsed not, Kevin McCarthy. He's endorsed, but McCarthy has not locked up the necessary support from the conservative groups like the Freedom Caucus, who basically blocked him from becoming speaker in 2015 when McCarthy ran. So why do we think it's going to go any better for him this time? Well, I think there's a couple things. Number one, after the November uh, elections, they might not be in power. So if they're voting for if they're voting for a minority leader, you only need a majority of your own conference, not a majority of the entire House floor. It's a 
lower mm-hmm. standard. It's a lot easier. We think McCarthy would be able to easily clear that. So that's number one. Um, number two, McCarthy could very well reach out. We're hearing some things with the Freedom Caucus that they're discussing what they would possibly demand from McCarthy in exchange for their votes. You know, They're aiming really up high. They want either a spot on the leadership table like majority whip or majority leader in exchange. I don't think they're going to get that. Uh, but there's other things in play, like putting a Freedom Caucus member in charge of a committee, like uh, oversight and government reform. Jim Jordan is someone um, who's potentially could, you know, be offered that sort of deal. Uh, there's also rumors that Jim Jordan himself may run, might run. Yeah, I mean, he's a smart guy. He knows he doesn't have the votes either. That is definitely a negotiating tactic to say, you know, if you don't come to us and get our support, I will run and I will take those conservative votes away from you and you won't be able to become speaker. So it's definitely a bargaining chip on the part of the Freedom Caucus. Um, There's probably nobody in the House closer to Donald Trump than Kevin McCarthy. That's right. He's been been playing this inside game even before Ryan announced his retirement. Yeah, Uh, yeah. I mean, it it looked like it was McCarthy, the one that Trump would reach out to, not to Paul Ryan. Right, but I've actually heard from Freedom Caucus members that uh, Mark Meadows, the chairman of the Freedom Caucus, encouraged Trump not to get involved in the speaker's race. And said, don't don't weigh in. You know, that's the last thing they gotta want, right? Like they don't want because I mean, Trump doesn't have a great track record about helping other people, right? Like it's all right, about it could, Trump. It could certainly backfire. Number one, totally. I think with the Freedom Caucus, they don't want their leverage to be taken away either. So if if Trump comes in, says everyone should vote for McCarthy, then you know they have a little bit leverage in the fight there. Uh, you know, on that on that just on that point. A uh, little tangent here, <coughs> pardon me, but Peter Baker and Maggie uh, Haberman from the New York Times uh, have a piece in this morning's front page this morning. Uh, the headline is, for many, life on Team Trump ends in a crash. <laughs> and it's particularly it's... building up on Ronnie Jackson this week. But ju- just a couple of paragraphs in the lead of this because it really, I think, sums it up uh, beautifully. Another day, another casualty. Or two. By the time the sun set Thursday, Dr. Ronnie L. Jackson was a failed cabinet nominee whose life had been picked apart for public consumption, and Michael Cohen was back in court facing possible criminal prosecution. They say a ride on President Trump's bullet train can be thrilling, but it is often a brutal journey that leaves some bloodied by the side of the tracks. Half of the top aides who came to the White House with Donald Trump in 2017, are gone. Wow. One half of them, many under painful circumstances, either because they fell out of fell out with a boss or came under the harsh scrutiny that comes with him. And he has. He has burned through a record number of people. So for Donald Trump to be your best buddy is not necessarily something right. that uh, Kevin McCarthy wants. Well, McCarthy was also floated as a potential chief of staff replacement if Kelly <laughs> stepped oh, aside. Right. And I was talking to McCarthy's allies on Capitol Hill, and they said, why on earth would he want to do that? It can only end badly. They have a good relationship. Why ruin it by joining the staff? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's a no-brainer. You look at Reince Priebus, you look at John Kelly, exactly. and then Kevin McCarthy would take the job. Right. Yeah, he's not that dumb. No. So he's he's gunning for speaker. Uh, yeah. Uh, when would that happen? Well, w- when's the vote? They say they're going to hold the leadership elections after the November midterms. So they're saying, that, you know, Ryan's going to stay in his role until January. 
Um, that could change if McCarthy, I think, is able to lock up the support and goes to Ryan, perhaps, and says, look, I have the votes now. Let's hold the elections. Maybe we could see something change. But as of right now, we're not expecting the leadership it, elections to take place until after November. I, I was going to ask you about that because there was some talk about Paul Ryan stepping down early, yeah. but that, that ain't going to happen. No, I think they tamped that down real fast. Uh, Ryan himself told members, look, I am a very prolific fundraiser. I can help you. I'm not going anywhere. And so some of those calls for him to step aside early have uh, subsided in the last week. A big hearing in the uh, two hearings back to back in the House yesterday with Scott Pruitt on the carpet. Scott Pruitt uh, telling the uh, members of that the first committee, I think Energy and Environment mm-hmm, Committee, right. or whatever, um, that uh, he didn't he didn't back down at all. Nothing to hide. I have nothing to hide as it relates to how I've run the agency for the past 16 months. I'm not afraid to admit that there's been a learning process, and when Congress. <sighs> or independent bodies of oversight find fault in our decision-making, I want to correct that and ensure that it does not happen again. Uh, he got a haircut, uh, particularly from a couple of Democratic members of the committee, uh, Paul Tonko from uh, Pennsylvania, uh, telling him in no uncertain terms he doesn't belong there. Your conduct as administrator has demonstrated a lack of respect for American taxpayers and the agency you were appointed to lead and has affirmed the regrettable but inevitable conclusion that you were never fit for this job, and your refusal to provide any serious transparency, accept any accountability, or show even the slightest contrition is inexcusable. So not fit for the job, <laughs> a Congressman Frank Pallone followed up saying, here's what you ought to do. You really should resign, and you <laughs> are undeserving of the public trust. Um, no way but, to misinterpret that. N- yeah, No, that's pretty clear. But Melanie, um, there's nothing Congress can do, right? No, unless, you know, you have the leaders of the party saying he should step aside. I don't think that Democrats calling for this is going to happen. And look, there's another reality here. But my point is that Congress can't fire him. No, this is the president has the right to have whoever he wants in these cabinet positions. Bottom line. Right. After the. He's already been confirmed. After the right. Senate confirms him. So he's in the job. It's right. Either the only way to get rid of him, he resigns or Trump fires him. And the other reality here is Capitol Hill is already saddled with these confirmation battles. It took forever to get Pompeo's nomination to the floor. That was a hurdle that just got over. They have Gina Haspel coming up, and that's going to be a bruising battle. And now they have to do another confirmation hearing for someone else because Ronnie Jackson stepped aside and pulled his nomination. So the last thing they want to do is have to deal with another controversial nomination from Trump to replace someone like Pruitt at the EPA. Right. Um, the Republicans seem to be, I mean, they they didn't go after Pruitt the way the Democrats did yesterday, but they a, a lot of them seem uncomfortable, too. With, oh, with, absolutely. And, and privately, you hear that all the time. These are just headaches on top of headaches for the Republican Party, all these headlines that just don't stop. And a lot of the fiscal conservatives are upset, too, when it comes to a lot of these uh, spending issues, these ethical ties that are questionable to lobbyists. These are the drain the swamp principles that a lot of these guys ran on. Uh, and now a lot of Trump's cabinet members are seeming to do the exact opposite. You know, Mick Mulvaney's comments about the CFPB. I don't know if you saw those early this week. Well, we talked about them yesterday. Yeah. Where, where Mick Mulvaney, who has the two jobs, head of office and management and budget and head of the Consumer Finance Protection Bureau, mm-hmm. uh, telling a group of bankers, yeah, when I was in the House, right, on the right. banking committee, if you're a lobbyist and you had not written me a big check, 
I wouldn't talk to you. But if you did, maybe I would. If, right. Yeah. Implying that ac- they could buy access. Totally. Uh, these comments. Pay, pay to right. play. It was pay to play. But, but that's the that's the Trump that sentiment and mentality sort of permeates the Trump administration. Trump himself talked about that when he was a candidate and saying, "When I was a businessman, I worked to the other side. I know that's how politics work." Yeah, um, you know, it, it, to, to me, it's ironic that I think Scott Pruitt ought to be fired because of the wrecking one man wrecking crew he is in terms of the environment and clean air and clean water. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if, if anything brings it down, it won't be that. No. It'll be because he's abusing the taxpayer dollars exactly. for the $43,000 phone booth or for all the security that he demands and on. And that's, know, the where, you, that's where you'll get the Republican outrage. Exactly. Right. right. The waste of the money. Um, you mentioned Mike Pompeo. So we have a new secretary of state. Um, wasn't an easy easy play for Donald Trump. It wasn't at all. Uh, but it was and, a 57-42, I think, was And the, the only final. reason he went through the committee was because <laughs> Rand Paul ended up flipping. Yeah. They yeah. weren't going to have the votes. The original right. plan was he was going to get an unfavorable recommendation, and McConnell was still going to bring mm-hmm. it to the floor, which would have been an unprecedented move. And even then, there was questions about whether there was going to be enough support. So he just barely squeaked by. Uh, it was a lot tougher than I think the Trump administration anticipated. And maybe it's a reflection of the times, but again, if you look at Condoleezza Rice uh, or if you look at John Kerry or Hillary Clinton, I mean, they, it wasn't unanimous, but still it was very, very lopsided. I mean, it, particularly for Secretary of State, usually Congress says the president is the most important member of the cabinet. The president gets to pick his Secretary yeah, and you State. heard Republicans say, not, not anymore. <laughs> are Democrats politicizing this? Are they just blocking it because it's Trump? That's the thing you hear the talking points on the Republican side from Trump, the obstructionist Democrats. But the truth is, this is the most critical uh, point that the administration is facing when it comes to foreign policy. And they have a lot of questions about whether Mike Pompeo is just going to be a yes man, if he's going to be a hawk, how he's going to treat the North Korea meeting coming up. Uh, so they have very valid concerns. Uh, I forget which committee it was yesterday. Maybe it was Judiciary, I guess, that passed um, a bill saying, making it more difficult for the president, if he wanted to or tried to, to fire Robert Mueller. Um, That bill got out of committee, correct? That's right. Got out of committee. And in the Senate. In the Senate, right. Does it have a prayer on the floor? Will it get a vote on the floor? As far as we know, Majority Leader Mitch McConnell says it's not going to get a floor vote. And even if it does, there's no chance it would be brought up in the House. Speaker Ryan has said, you know, I don't think his job is in jeopardy and I don't think legislation is necessary to protect him. There's not a whole lot of public sort on the House side for that. There's a few retiring Republicans who signed on to the House bill protecting Mueller. But you haven't seen that many Republicans come out and support that. Right. Um, and um, I, it's interesting if it got to the floor, whether it would even get the votes on the floor. I think it probably would. I don't know. Well, you but. would certainly have every Democrat voting. And yeah. then there could be some pressure from these more moderate Republicans who are in either swing districts or facing tougher than expected reelection battles. Uh, but, it, you know, it's at the end of the day, the GOP leaders don't want it. It's not going to come out of the House or the Senate. Uh, is there any thought of uh, legislation to provide some protection for Rod Rosenstein. Well, actually, on the opposite end of that, you're hearing Republicans in the House call to impeach him over a stalled document request. Uh, Those calls have sort of subsided. Last week, it was coming to a boiling point. The DOJ was supposed to turn over these documents related to Hillary Clinton's email server. Uh, They've been, it was 1.4 million documents. They only got a couple thousand. 
So they said this is grounds for, you know, impeachment or holding in contempt of Congress. But wait a minute. Rosenstein sent over the documents last week, the memos, the Comey memos, which they wanted. They did want the Comey and memos, they got, and then, but they also wanted more documents related to the uh, Hillary Clinton email server. What documents related to Hillary Clinton's email server haven't already been I know, out? Right. In, I mean, there's there's a tranche of documents that they're requesting. Some of them also have to do with uh, the FISA warrants. They want to have more hearings in the in the House on Hillary's emails. Yes, of course. They I, I think they think Hillary's president sometimes. You know. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think you're right. And it's sort of like, oh my God, she lost. So we have nothing to run against, right? Or we, yeah, yeah. Well, you see a lot of these races. They're pinning Pelosi as the sort of boogeyman. So she's the the liberal lion that they're attacking now. <laughs> oh my God, Melanie, you got your work cut out for you with this gang for sure. Uh, so good to see you. Thanks, Thanks for coming for in. I'll me. see you around the party circuit yes, this weekend. Uh, you can follow Melanie and uh, the work, good work of her colleagues at the Hill, thehill.com. Let me come back. What a week. Another what a week for Donald Trump. Justin Sink covers the White House for Bloomberg News. He'll tell us all about it. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. This is the Bill Press Show. Hey, friends, don't be a stranger. Keep up to date with all of the Bill Press Show happenings around the clock on social media. Here's how. You can follow us on Twitter at BP Show or on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash Bill Press Show. And on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. And remember, if you haven't already done so, make sure to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. And while you're there, please rate and review the show. That means a lot to us. And thanks so much for your support. Everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show. Live at YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. The war is over. 65 years later, believe it or not, the Korean War is over. Or at least, according to yesterday's agreement, will be sometime this year when they sign the official peace treaty. Hello, everybody, with that bit of good news. And it is historic news. We come to you on this Friday, April 27, the Bill Press Show, coming to you live from our nation's capital, Washington, D.C., and our uh, little home base here on Capitol Hill, just down the street from the United States Capitol building. A lot going on there yesterday with uh, the confirmation of Mike Pompeo as our new Secretary of State, a double drubbing of uh, Scott Pruitt, uh, the administrator of EPA, before two uh, House committees. Paul Ryan firing the house chaplain, a Jesuit priest, a Catholic, firing the priest. <clears throat> Boy, see what the Pope has to say about that. And down at the White House, uh, just getting over the visit, uh, state visit of uh, Emmanuel Macron of France, uh, ready to welcome today uh, Angela Merkel of Germany. Back-to-back state visits, not state visits, but uh, visits of foreign leaders uh, at the White House. Uh, and uh, that keeps somebody like Justin Sink running overtime <laughs> for Bloomberg News covering the White House. Hey, Justin, how are you? Doing well. Thanks for having me. Good to see you. Saw you down there uh, the other day with uh, uh, President Macron. It ended up to be an interesting newser between the two of them, particularly because what the president said about Ronnie Jackson. Huh? 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it was at a point where the allegations uh, surrounding Jackson, who was the president's personal doctor, but then uh, named to be VA secretary, were yeah. starting to swirl. Uh, we got more details later in that day about, you know, former and current colleagues accusing him of sort of loose prescription practices, of yeah. uh, drunk behavior, you know, while traveling with the president, uh, and uh, management complaints that ended up uh, sinking his nomination. But of course, President Trump in, in that moment, I think, kind of raised a lot of eyebrows when he said, if he, I were him, I wouldn't do it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all right. So we'll get right into it with uh, with Justin and with all of you. Don't forget, look forward to your comments on Twitter at BP show. But first, Peter with a big headlines. Full court press. Yes, indeed. Just a couple of other stories making news. We've talked often about Amazon. In fact, we talked about it last hour with their profits. They're making a lot of money, Bill, but they're not making enough, apparently. They announced they're going to raise the price of Amazon Prime from $99 a year to $119 per year. It's $20 jump, which is kind of a big deal for Amazon Prime. Uh, Again, this came after the story that we did last hour about how they completely shattered their expectations on revenue last quarter uh, and profit. Uh, It will take place starting June 16th for existing Prime members. So if you're already a Prime member, uh, June 16th is when you're going to start to see it go up. Uh, But if you're obviously, if you're going to start. You know what? They won't lose anybody. I don't think so. No, I think you're probably right. right. I I think you're so locked into the Amazon system at this point that it's very hard. Once they get you? No. We might as well all surrender. I've said that. Just when I thought that I was out, they pulled me back in. (laughs) Something like that. Also, on the uh, Donald Trump White House front, we found out that Donald Trump will meet the Queen this July. Mm. Uh, Donald Trump is going to take a working visit. He's going to England. Is he going to meet the Queen? I haven't seen that yet. He's going to meet the Queen. This is according to The Guardian. He's going to be taking a working visit to the U.K. on Friday the 13th in July. Uh, And the U.K. and the U.S. have both confirmed it. And uh, Mm. he will be meeting the Queen. So, um, yeah, I hadn't seen that. I saw that he's going to meet with uh, Theresa May, but yeah, it's hard to go without meeting the Queen, I guess. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting because obviously uh, there's a lot of controversy and concern over protests. Uh, That's why this trip's taken so long to to get scheduled. He was going to go last year, and then uh, there was. And there were expectations of a big state visit. it's been scaled back. Now they're just yeah. kind of tacking it on to the to the NATO trip in July. What do you bet he goes and plays golf at one of his golf <laughs> courses? That's why he's going. That's why he's going. <laughs> Take the Bill Press Show anywhere you go. Download our free podcast, search for the Bill Press Show on iTunes, and catch the highlights from every show. Bill Cosby guilty and the Korean War is over. Man, what a big news day. Here we go on a Friday, April 27. Hello, everybody. Great to see you today. And thanks for uh, coming along on uh, our wild ride today to catch up with the news of the day before we head into the weekend. Good to have you with us as we reach out to you coast to coast uh, online on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. On uh, television, that little television screen, Free Speech TV, and on the radio, the great WCPT 
out in the greater Chicago area. Welcome, welcome. Good to have you with us. And in studio with us, uh, Justin Sink from Bloomberg News. The White House is his beat. Uh, and Justin, did you ever see anything like the interview yesterday morning with Donald Trump on Fox <laughs> and Friends? Right? Yeah, what What struck me the most about it was the faces of the Fox and Friends hosts oh. as it was happening, where they were kind of, you know, first they were, you know, very excited to have the president kind of cheering him on, and then you saw a couple moments of absolute disbelief, and then they started kind of laughing <laughs> at some of these responses as the president just got really worked up, particularly, uh, I think, over the Michael Cohen situation and, and he, the ongoing Russian. Yeah, no, well, let's start there with Michael Cohen, because he said some things about Michael Cohen that um, he hasn't said before. Uh, f- first of all, um, he's your lawyer, and Donald um, Trump said, well, no, for, you know, most of all, he's just a businessman. Michael is a businessman. He's got a business. He also practices law. I would say probably the big thing is his business. And they're looking at something having to do with his business. I have nothing to do with his business. And even when he's practicing law, he didn't do that much legal work for me, said the president yesterday. Yes, a percentage of my overall legal work, a tiny, tiny little fraction. But... Some of the legal work that he did with him, <laughs> he says for the first time, maybe unwittingly, uh, that Stormy Daniels stuff. He represents me like with this uh, crazy Stormy Daniels deal. He represented me. And, uh, you know, from what I see, he did absolutely nothing wrong. There were no campaign funds. Now, he's really refrained from talking about Stormy Daniels. and But that's a big admission, isn't well, it? Well, I think it's... It's really interesting because uh, some of the reporting around this raid on Michael Cohen suggests that the president may have caused it in the first place when he said in an inter- interview on Air Force One um, a month or so ago that Michael Cohen was not representing him in the Stormy Daniels case. And if you're sort of working through the payment, uh, it's mm-hmm. not illegal if a lawyer facilitates a payment to uh, you know, on behalf of Donald Trump. But if both the lawyer claim and Donald Trump claim that he was not representing Donald Trump, it becomes a possible election violation. It's something that we saw mm-hmm. uh, with John Edwards uh, and certainly seemed to be sort of a, a root cause of the initial uh, FBI raid. And so the fact that the president has now changed his tune, said Cohen was, uh, in fact, representing him, suggests that he would like to keep communications between himself and Michael <laughs> Cohen, potentially about uh, Stormy Daniels, as privileged as, as um, you know, confidential between a lawyer and his client. And so that is a, a significant sort of change that was <laughs> thrown in there offhandedly uh, as the president was being interviewed yesterday. Well, it, it sort of underscores the fear, or uh, justifies, I guess, the fear that some of his attorneys have about leaving him um, be interviewed by the special counsel, Robert Mueller. Yeah, uh, I mean, uh, right? <laughs> I, I don't know any lawyer. I, I certainly have not talked to any lawyer who thinks that it's a good idea for Donald Trump <laughs> to speak to uh, Robert under Mueller. Oath. Uh, under oath to Robert Mueller. And this is particularly true because uh, I think as we've all experienced, the president most charitably, we would say, was prone to exaggeration or prone to uh, misremembering a lot of uh, what's happened or putting his own spin on 
uh, events, and that can get you into some real trouble when you're under oath. I mean, it, it's gotten presidents before into trouble under, yeah, yes, <laughs> you know, yeah. under oath, and uh, Donald Trump, uh, Donald Trump would be part of that. So I think that you know Rudy Giuliani has come in and sort of taken the lead role in, in negotiating a possible interview with uh, the special counsel, and I'm certain that that the president's legal team will be pushing either for that not to happen or if it does happen uh, in maybe a written way or a less sort of spontaneous way where, where they would be able to head off some of the uh, these concerns about about the president's ability to stay truthful. So what are you picking up at the White House now in terms of the Mueller investigation? Because it goes hot and cold, you know. I mean, first of all, it's always hot in that it's a witch hunt. He still it shouldn't happen. There's no collusion. It should have ended a long time ago. It's a democratic plot, the whole thing. Uh, but then hot and cold in terms of we're cooperating, but then I'll never talk to him or I want to talk to him. And then, yeah, so how do they see it now? Is, or is it sort of on hold to see what Rudy Giuliani can work out? I think that the, the prevailing sense that I get from, from people in the White House is that uh, if there was collusion between the campaign and the Russians, everybody has sworn up and down that they were unaware of it and that it did not happen at the top levels of the campaign and that President Trump wasn't aware mm-hmm. of it. Now, it's certainly possible that they are lying about that fact. There's obvious incentive to do it. But their actions and words suggest that they at least believe that to be true. The problem is that this investigation has sort of spiraled uh and much of that is the president's fault firing james comey so obstruction is another thing they're looking at so there's a justice right exactly so there's a second question of obstruction of justice this is not something that the president you know would be tried for while he's in office so it's more of a political challenge than anything else and they don't expect at any point democrats to sweep into congress with such ferocity that donald trump could actually be uh impeached and so if it if if it is contained to just Russia or just Russia plus a, you know a vague obstruction issue i think it's you know potentially politically damaging but not they could the survive it, if you exactly will. but isn't there also the financial stuff so there is where i think there is some real concern which is that as the special counsel and now the southern district of new york start to get their tentacles into the Trump organization itself, into uh, Michael Cohen, into other family members. Now it gets into a gray area that has nothing really to do with the election per se, although, you know, the the Stormy Daniels and other, the, the Playboy model all sort of are within that orbit. But you're looking at these sort of complex and... Uh, complex financial transactions that were done by a family business that for a long time sort of played fast and loose with the rules. And so I think that there's a real concern that if this probe goes into that area, you know, Donald Trump has said before this is a red line, that that is where there's a real vulnerability and damage that that concerns people within the White House. You know, you said something that just uh, clicked on with the Playboy model. Karen McDougall got her won her case or at least resolved her case with the um, National Enquirer so that she can tell her story. That was a week or 10 days ago. We haven't heard from her since. Yeah, I mean, what's going on? I do think that. um, Why isn't she on 60 Minutes or 
Certainly, yeah. like, why well, haven't she, had a CNN town hall? <laughs> Karen McDougal. She is. Uh, it would not surprise me if she is, and I, I don't mean this in a critical way, looking for a for a financially, you know, oh, mo- advantageous yeah, yeah. way to yeah. pre- to present. That's that probably story, what's yeah. going. There's a lot of yeah. negotiating right now as yeah, to who's yeah. going to get the story first. Yeah, right? exactly. Uh, and the other thing you reminded me of, as we haven't heard much about lately, uh, but it hasn't gone away, is the dossier. Uh, the famous Christopher Steele dossier, and particularly uh, the point that um, the McClatchy is reporting that one out, one, one um, char- not a charge, but one fact that uh, one An allegation, allegation, the, yeah. I guess, in the dossier is that Michael Cohen himself went to Prague in the, in the summer of 2016 um, to meet with some Russian operatives and. Michael Cohen says he was he never he's never been in Prague in his entire life. McClatchy says yes he was, and the Trump White House has always pointed out to that one allegation as proof that the entire dossier is phony. So I guess my question is, what do you hear, and why hasn't anybody else confirmed what McClatchy reported? Yeah, I know that uh, certainly we have a team of journalists that's sort of focused on the Russian investigation, and they've been working on that. Uh, part of the reason that's been difficult to sort of verify is that, uh, you know, travel within the Eurozone is really sort of loosely monitored. Once you're in the EU, you can go between countries That's, without yeah. getting your passport yeah. stamped. So uh, he could have gone to Germany and just driven in someday, exactly, right? Exactly, or yeah. hopped on the train. And so yeah. it yeah. Uh, it uh, creates a lot of issues. And if that is an area where uh, either the special counsel or the second district of New York are focusing heavily, uh, you know, that... Those investigations can be leaky when it's advantageous to them and can tighten up when when they're trying to keep facts close to the vest. Because uh, uh, I raised that question with somebody at CNN, uh, and they were saying, oh, no, we sent an entire team of people to Prague trying to, trying to track that down, trying to uh, confirm that. And they were not able to find any traces of Michael Cohen in Prague, which, again, doesn't mean he wasn't there, but they, yeah, I, they tried. I, I mean, I think— you know, obviously, many of the allegations that were in that dossier were unverified uh, and remain so. The real question, of course, is not whether Michael Cohen was in Prague or not, but whether or not there was sort of direct yeah, collaboration right. with the Russians or if uh, there was a sincere fear uh, by the president that the Russians had compromising material on him. And I'm sure that both of those are questions that. Uh, the special counsel would be very keen to ask if they do get that chance to interview Donald Trump. So Ronnie Jackson is not going to be VA secretary, but as of today, he is still White House physician. For how long? That, that's another great question. And what is unclear, what we have not been able to get a straight answer out of the White House, is if he remains the president's doctor or just on the staff, you know, the main doctor there or just on the staff. It, again, going back to sort of unverified allegations, while there were a large number of them made by people who you would expect to be credible, former or current members of the military, multiple uh, people sort of uh, saying that they had at least heard these things. Uh, On the other hand, you know, having talked to people who we worked with in the Obama White House, having talked to people who we worked with in uh, the Trump White House, both of them say that many of these don't ring true. Dr. Jackson himself said, you know, I never crashed a car. That should be pretty easy to verify. I was supposed to say, I've said this yesterday, this has got to be a police report. Yeah. Even, I, even if you work in the White House, if you wreck a car on the streets of Washington exactly. and you're drunk, 
There's a police report somewhere. Exactly. And so I think that um, one would hope that there is going to be sort of the that the Navy would take a thorough look at, at these and particularly at the sort of uh, leadership criticisms that that were voiced by some of the employees. Uh, but, you know, how that pans out, I think, is remains uncertain and because we won't have the confirmation hearings. We won't have that sort of outside uh, external look at, at some of these allegations. Uh, is there... A- one of the things that I didn't realize uh, is we know physically the the doctor's office is right outside the outside the palm room, so yeah. it's not in the West Wing technically, but it's in the mansion. The but still, it's yeah. close by. But but also uh, from a reporting sense, he doesn't report to the chief of staff. It's sort of a separate unit. So um, sometimes people in the West Wing might really not know what's going on. In, in the in the White House doctor's office, if you will. Exactly, uh, right? yeah. I mean, it's a place where I think a lot of White House aides will drop in for, you know, yeah. when, you, when you're you, working 14 mm-hmm. hours a day, and right. you don't really have time to go see your physician for a cold, so you pop into the yeah. uh, to the White House doctor's <laughs> office. Uh, Too many extra drugs around? You know? <laughs> yeah. Oh. Uh, it's something that even has occasionally been, I know when we travel internationally with the White House, the White, you know, Dr. Jackson or others will come by and check in on us as well. And so, it, you know, it's something. It, Did he give, ever give you any Ambien? Uh, never any Ambien, but I've gotten motion sick on, you know, we take helicopters that mm-hmm. are um, uh, often very bumpy and he'll, he'll uh, work, work you through that. Um, <laughs> work you through that with some drugs? Uh, yeah. Well, I, I'm not, I honestly can't remember what the sort of packet, they have little packets that are for, uh, for motion sickness and that sort of thing. Um, but the point being that you have these like quick sort of interactions with uh, with Dr. Jackson, but I'm not sure if you, certainly not as reporters, and I doubt many White House staffers have sort of the in-depth knowledge of how his office functions. I guess it does get to the question, though, of which, uh, not just Ronnie Jackson, of the whole vetting process. Uh, of the White House, which seems to be more seat of the pants, Donald Trump, Joda Genova, Larry Kudlow, Ronnie Jackson, right, than a, a solid vetting process. Sure. And I mean, we're also sort of putting aside the the main thing here, which is that the president appointed his personal doctor to head the second biggest federal department and agency. And, uh, you know, I've heard the arguments from the White House that a senator's office is small, so when you appoint them to be Secretary of State, how are they supposed to have management experience, that sort of thing? But it's really, uh, I think, a big jump. And so there there was this central question about his candidacy even before we got down the road of these, you know, sort of specific allegations that because the allegations are so sort of uh, not exciting but interesting and, and um, potentially scandalous that I think We've sort of put on the back burner what in any other administration, you know, if Barack Obama had appointed his personal doctor to any sort of post, right. when uh, George Bush appointed Harriet Myers to the Supreme Court, there was sort of universal um, outrage and surprise uh, uh, about, you know, sort of leaning on a personal relationship for what should be a, a fairly significant, uh, you know, appointment. Right. Um, how did you ra- ra- rate the visit of uh, uh, President Macron? So you and I were there for the for the news conference on, on Wednesday, and then where 
the bromance, right? You know, it wasn't full bloom, right? It, 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 I felt sorry for Macron. Donald Trump couldn't keep his hands off him or his lips off him. Uh, and then the next day, Macron goes in front of the United States Congress with a uh, with a message that that seemed to contradict a lot of Trumpism and a lot of the things that they had talked about. But overall, the White House considers it a success. And do you think it what well, was accomplished? I, I guess there's a question of whether we believe that Donald Trump and Emmanuel Macron have a genuine friendship with one another. They both claim that they do. Uh, though I think that the common perception is that Macron is cynically trying to ingratiate himself with Donald Trump uh, to advance his policy goals. He goes along with it, right? Pretends to go along with it, at least, maybe to try to keep him in the Iran deal. And from that perspective, it was a big failure for Emmanuel Macron because uh, Donald yeah. Trump immediately trashed the Iran deal as soon as they sat down with each other in the Oval Office. Macron said uh, in a gathering of reporters— uh, that Bloomberg reported on um, on Wednesday that he expects Trump to pull out of the Iran deal. They secured no sort of long-term guarantees on the steel tariffs that might hit the EU. Uh, certainly, we didn't hear the president move back towards the Paris climate deal. Those were the sort of big asks. And Macron, who has cultivated this relationship over the last year and a half, brought Trump to Paris, had him to the Bastille Day Parade, really gone out of his right. way to sort of uh, to cozy up to him has not seen uh, that personal relationship manifest into the policy goals he wants. And so I think that what we saw uh, on Capitol Hill was a manifestation of him needing to save some face uh, to a skeptical French public back at home who say, all right, you're going to cozy up to somebody who much of France sees as sort of uh, does not – you know, particularly enjoy as a as a world uh, political figure in, in Donald Trump. If you're getting what we want, that's okay. If you're not, then this is sort of turned into an embarrassing situation. And so I think what you heard from Macron was him speaking more to the French public than the American public about uh, trying to trying to save some face after an otherwise bad trip. Uh, you, you know, the it, it really is like a Niagara fall of falls of news, you know, that <laughs> that we try to keep up with it. We we started the show by just saying what a week, but we say that every Friday. I mean, oh yeah. Like, I mean what a week. You know. I um look back at this week, you know, with Pompeo, with Ronnie Jackson, with Macron. It's not over. Angela Merkel coming today. Comes today. I you know, I was on vacation last week, which was great, but I, I sort of when I left we were about to launch military strikes on Syria, I get back. I haven't heard the word Syria mentioned once all week, and and this is after we essentially renewed a fourth or fifth war in the Middle East, depending on on how you count it. It's just a, that really is amazing. It that, is. that the Syria thing was two weeks ago. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was just two weeks ago. Right. I mean, that feels like an eternity. And it since wasn't we had that. It wasn't that long ago that we were going to destroy North Korea, and now. You know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now we're just trying to figure out where we're going to have the summit. Exactly. Or, <laughs> I mean, the fact that the White House Correspondence Center is this weekend, I feel like I've, I've been in this studio the Friday before the Correspondence Center before, and we've spent the entire time talking about who the guests would be or what the parties would be. And it's because, you know, there's an actual chance to breathe and enjoy those sorts right. of things. Right. Where now I'm like, oh, wow, yeah, I guess that's tomorrow. No. I got you know, <laughs> no, no. to get that No, I feel the same way. It's sort of like this is just squeezed in between, yeah. you know, this uh, uh, incredible, incredible workload. 
And so you're never, we've learned already never to be surprised that anything comes down, but I still was a little surprised yesterday, I must admit, on the World Cup. So mm. the president put out a tweet saying, uh, we've reached a big agreement to host the World Cup in 2026, I think it is, um, with, yeah, 2026, an agreement between the United States, Canada, and Mexico. Okay, that's good. And then he adds the barb, which is, if any country opposes us, <laughs> we're going to cut off any aid to any country that opposes us. Peter, I don't know whether you could find that tweet. It wasn't that long yeah, ago. I was just looking for it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's kind of an interesting situation where you know the U.S. hasn't hosted the World Cup in a long time. And the bid, especially when it's a joint bid with Mexico and Canada, is undeniably the strong, you know, from just on its yeah, merits, absolutely, is the strongest yeah. possible bid out. Yeah. You know, yeah. you could do. I mean, the, none of these countries need to build new stadiums. They all have great infrastructure. They're all yeah ready yeah. to host. Right. And soccer is obviously emerging in the okay. U.S. Here's, here's okay. The, yeah. Here's what the president said. This was uh, 12 hours ago. <laughs> the U.S. has put together a strong bid with Canada and Mexico for the 2026 World Cup. It would be a shame if countries that we always support were to lobby against the U.S. bid. Why should we be supporting these countries when they don't support us, parentheses, including the United Nations? So it's like, let us have it and get out of the way or you're going to feel our wrath. <laughs> but Which is not typically how these events no. go. No. And, no. The, and Donald Trump is the problem. I mean, Morocco is certainly does not have the infrastructure that the United States, Canada, and Mexico do to host a soccer tournament. But they their bid has gained surprising traction, and it's in no small part due to the travel ban. So a lot of countries, oh, including oh, and oh, Morocco yeah. is seized on this, have said, well, if you're not going to let you know players from Muslim-majority countries in to play in the World Cup or there's a possible crackdown on Muslim immigration into the U.S., how can you possibly be hosting an, an international competition that by Whoa. design will include right. majority Muslim countries and majority Muslim teams? Yeah, yeah. That's a very. I mean, that's a very strong. No argument. matter what side of the aisle you are on, or what side, which side you are on of the travel ban, like that, that presents a real problem. Yeah. Uh, now, I think pretty obviously the State Department would work out something so that all teams would be admitted. But, but you know, if fans of those teams not all want fans, to, exactly right. want to come to the U.S. and and watch these events. There, there's a real question so now. Is Morocco also up in 2026? Yes. Yeah, so it'll be a the U.S. bid against. Uh, Morocco. Those are the only two competitors at so this far. Point. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The vote is in June, and it's really oh. just. I mean, it'll be down to those those two uh, competing bids. Oh, I didn't realize it was that limited. But well, so how would it work out? There's only one game, no? Or is there no? There's uh, 48, oh. 48 teams. It's actually expanding. Oh, I, uh, I see. So that so there would be games under this in in each of the three countries. Yeah. So under yeah. the plan, yeah, I, 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 this might not be right. I know that there would be ten games in both Mexico and Canada, and then I think sixty. It's either forty or sixty games in the United States. So the vast majority mm. would be in the U.S., but we've brought in Canada and Mexico to sort and of probably not all bit. in one place in the U.S. Right? No, it'd be uh, the so the bid could, would spread it out. Spread out. You could do the Rose cities. Bowl, and you could yeah, do exactly. yeah, right. Yeah. I'm sure there. I mean, there, there's a good chance there'll be some here in D.C. Some here I'm in sure D.C. Yeah. Be some on the West Coast. Except RFK is going to be torn down. Oh yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> well, we'll figure that out. <laughs> no big loss there, but I don't know. Maybe our new state. Oh, 2026, a yeah. new stadium. Will oh, be it'll up be up. Yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. 
uh, or so. you know FedEx can certainly host it. They they've got a big uh, match coming up. Yeah. I know, and there 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 is a wealth of possible site. I mean, all of our NFL stadiums could could host these games. Many of our college football stadiums could host these games. So there's and uh, you know there's a number of MLS stadiums, including a, a brand new one here in DC. Right. Um, our good friend uh, Peter Baker and Maggie, Haber- Maggie Haberman have an article on the front page of the New York Times this morning about um, the turnover uh, and the people who've been who've hitched their wagon, if you will, to Donald Trump's star and have burned out in the last couple of years. Um, and we've seen Tom Price, David Shulkin, got fired for a lot less than what Scott Pruitt seems to have done. Uh, is Trump? going to stick by Pruitt? I think the unique advantage that Scott Pruitt has that Tom Price didn't is that he's delivered on some of the president's policy goals. So he has really aggressively used regulations to to deregulate major sort of restrictions. Kind of a one-man wrecking crew on the environment, right? Yeah, yeah. and uh, contrast that to Tom Price, who was unable to get his... Uh, Obamacare plan across the board, or, or, mm-hmm. you know, in Congress, and so on. The, Scott Pruitt to Donald Trump remains valuable because he is deeply knowledgeable about how the EPA works. He spent his time as Oklahoma Attorney but, General fighting them. But, but Trump can't be happy with the negative press that Pruitt is getting, you know, particularly on wasting taxpayer dollars. Right? Cer- certainly not. At the same time, uh, we just spent. You know, five minutes talking about how you forget something like Syria that happened two weeks ago. Yeah. So if Scott Pruitt is able to survive, right, these <laughs> numerous uh, ethical inquiries that he's got going on, then you know, in a month, there's a more than decent shot that that something new has has consumed all of our attention. And we all thought that Donald Trump was kidding at that uh, a Boy Scout jamboree last July when uh, Tom Price was there, and he said. Uh, uh, that if Tom Price doesn't get the votes to repeal Obamacare, right, I'm going to have to say, you're fired, Tom. Isn't that right? <laughs> we all thought he was kidding. <laughs> Not so much. Not yeah. so much. That's right. Well, um, you just mentioned the White House Correspondents' Dinner, so enjoy the weekend. Thank um, you. Party, you as well. Yeah. Party, party. I'll see you Saturday night and maybe around the horn tonight. It's a yeah. couple of parties, so. Yeah. Should be fun. Hopefully, there's not uh, too much new news to, make, to spoil them. Make sure Bill doesn't get too drunk at any of these parties, Justin. He's got a problem with these things. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'll, I'll try to keep an eye out. Please and, uh, do. Yeah. Please it's do. one weekend a year. <laughs> no, actually, He's I'm already going, started. I'm going to a couple of parties tonight, and my uh, my plus one is Ronnie Jackson. Um, <laughs> hey, nice to see you, Justin. Thanks for coming in. Emma Loop joins us next from BuzzFeed. We'll stay tuned. We'll be right back. This is the Bill Press Show. And here we go on a Friday, April 27, uh, wrapping up here. The news of the week. It's not over yet. German Chancellor Angela Merkel arrives at the White House today. Sort of an after fact of the big state visit of uh, President Emmanuel Macron from France. Um, but maybe she's the uh, cleanup crew coming in to see if there's still any life in the Iran nuclear deal. Uh, and other issues as uh, she and um, the president uh, don't have uh, as warm a fuzzy a relationship, certainly, as uh, he's, he does with Emmanuel Macron. I just wanted to mention, by the way, you yes. know, uh, we have the podcast, we have the YouTube channel, we have so all this important. fun stuff. Uh, make sure you're subscribed to all those. But 
Patreon, patreon.com slash BP show. We're putting up a video today where we are going to tie one on. Again, we're going to drink beer all about like warmer weather beers, mm -hmm. right? Because mm -hmm. we did pot last week for 420 where we got baked in right. the studio, which was, that was a lot of fun. Uh, it, or as best as I can remember, it was a lot of fun. And uh, we're going to drink some beers today, which you can only see if you uh, join on Patreon, patreon.com slash BP show. So um, people don't want to think there's a pattern here. Uh, <laughs> you know, pot last week, beer this week. What's next week? We'll get Dr. Ronnie Bourbon? in. What? Maybe we'll do some perks. <laughs> Let's get Dr. Ronnie in. We'll have a ball. <laughs> you mean the candy man? Yeah, the candy man. Yeah, bring in the candy man. Okay. Uh, <laughs> great to have you with us. Before you rush into the weekend, though, a lot more to cover here. And Emma Loop, who covers the Congress for BuzzFeed, uh, joins us on this Friday. Hi, Emma. It's nice to Hi, see Bill. you. Good to Every, see you too. Everything good? Everything is great. Are you excited about the White House Correspondents' Dinner this weekend I'm and all the parties? I'm not invited. I'm a congressional correspondent, oh. but I'm going to go to some parties and try to sneak into some that I haven't been invited to. The, uh, uh, take it from The me. greatest Washington tradition. Yes. Yeah. The, the best fun, the most fun on this weekend is to crash parties. Yeah. Do you have any tips? Um, off the air. Okay. <laughs> I'll get you afterwards. Uh, I've crashed a lot of the parties, and I, I've had more fun at the parties I've crashed than the parties I've been invited to. So good for you. Carry on that. Carry on that tradition. Uh, boy, where do we start? Let's. We haven't had a chance yet to talk uh, so much today about Mike Pompeo. Um, it was not an overwhelming vote yesterday, but but he made it, and he was sworn in like right away. They were waiting right to give him the oath of office before yeah. anybody had any second thoughts. Um, why was it so rough for him? So the Democrats had several concerns with him. They had concerns with his past comments on LGBTQ issues, um, and he was grilled about that at his confirmation hearing. They were also not very impressed at his confirmation hearing with the level of disclosure that he gave them. He did not answer a lot of their questions, in their opinion, hmm. especially about the Russia investigation, though he did reveal that he had been interviewed by Robert Mueller as part of the Russia investigation. But he wouldn't say, you know, what he had discussed with him, what the subject of the interview was, and that angered some of the Democrats on the panel. And then other people had, you know, issues with his more hawkish views, with his kind of pro-military views. They wanted to see a diplomat in this position, not necessarily someone who has in the past advocated for you know, the military option versus the diplomatic option more often. So those were some of the issues. Republicans said this was, you know, this was obstructionism, that usually secretaries of state, even if people don't disagree with them on policy, get broad bipartisan support. Uh, but that was not the case this time around. Right. Um, I mean, he made sort of a me meteoric rise, right, in, in the Republican ranks. I mean, he was in Congress, but he wasn't known as a... Foreign policy was not his specialty, right, or his long suit when he was in Congress. Then he goes, jumps from Congress to CIA, was there, what, a year, two years? Not quite two years, obviously. Right. And then suddenly Secretary of State. So I guess some people had concerns about what his experience, right, or, or the, what, what he credentials that he brings to the job of Secretary of State. Actually, Republicans were really touting his 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 credentials because he served in the military, he went to West Point, mm -hmm. he was on the House Intelligence Committee and then made the jump to the CIA. So he did have a little bit of experience in, in intelligence matters. Um, but people were really concerned with the comments he had made while he was in Congress about the Iran nuclear deal, 
about uh, Muslims, about LGBTQ people, um, his views on gay marriage, that type of thing. And so those were really the sticking points this time around. Right. Was the North Korean trip uh, sort of a uh, a dry run or, you know, that, I, I find it hard to believe that that was not deliberately staged to help him get confirmed as Secretary of State. I mean, I'm not sure we'll ever know whether that was the case, but, um, you know, it kind of, with Democrats who were... It did were, give him a sudden credential, right, that he, you had to recognize. Yeah. yeah, and some Democrats were kind of impressed by it. I mean, Mark Warner, the head of the, the top Democrat on the Intelligence Committee in the Senate, uh, said, you know, this is actually kind of a good sign. I have concerns about the long-term strategy, but, you know, I'm not opposed to it. But others... You know, like Bob Menendez, the top Democrat on the Foreign Relations Committee, were a little bit more, they were less impressed because he hadn't told them about it. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, meanwhile, the Senate yesterday, or the Senate Judiciary Committee yesterday, passed uh, out of committee a bill that would make it, um, that would give Robert Mueller a little protection in case the president tried to fire him. Um, what happens to that now? Probably nothing, <laughs> unless there so is. So Robert this... Mueller can't really uh, breathe any sigh of relief. Well, I think it's a symbolic gesture. I mean, it, 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 at the very least, it, we've got Republican support of this bill. It's a bit of a warning shot, saying, you know, don't do anything crazy because here's what we could do if we wanted to. Um, but it's not going to go to the Senate floor unless Mitch McConnell changes his mind, and he so, shows no signs of doing that at this point. He has actually said, right, he doesn't think there's any need for this bill. Why not? Uh, he said there's no need for it. I don't think he thinks the president's actually going to fire Mueller, and he's said straight up, I'm not going to put it on the Senate floor for a vote. So unless there are a whole bunch of Republicans, which it doesn't really seem like there are, there are some but not a ton Unless there are a ton of them who come forward and say, no, we need to put this on the bill and really pressure him, then I don't think we're going to see it go to a full Senate vote. And then it would have to get passed by the House and get signed by the president. And so it's it's not looking like it's going to become law, but it is it is symbolic. Yeah. I mean, were it to squeak out of the Senate, um, as you point out, probably would never even be heard of in the House, right? I mean, the- Right. I mean, the House is a whole different story. Republicans there have been a lot more critical of Mueller of the investigation, um, as you've seen them go on Fox News and whatnot and and blast the investigation. So I don't think it would have any traction there. Uh, Yesterday, a big half hour of yesterday morning was taken up with uh, Donald Trump's uh, uh, wacky interview with Fox and Friends uh, (laughs) for a whole half hour where he rambled on about a, a lot of other stuff. Right toward the end, he was on a rant about the Justice Department and the Russian investigation, uh, speaking as to whether or not he goes back and forth or whether he wants to meet with Robert Mueller or not. But uh, toward the end, he's saying he seems to be saying that uh, that uh, any cooperation or any idea of meeting with him uh, is not going to happen. Do we have that, Peter? I've taken the position, and I don't have to take this position, and maybe I'll change, that I will not be involved with the Justice Department. I will wait till this is over. Now, before he has said, I would like to sit down with him. Now he's saying, I don't want to be involved with the Justice Department. So where is the Russian investigation? 
in Congress today. As we know, the Mueller thing is ongoing. But uh, the House is, like, over and done with, right? For the most part, uh, they had Christopher, well, the Democrats on the committee had Christopher Wiley, the whistleblower from the Cambridge Analytica story. They had him come in for an interview, but I believe it was just Democrats who were interviewing him. But it's it's essentially over. Um, in the Senate, there's well, uh, still... Let, let me come back, because I saw that headline, and I, I, I was blanking on Wiley's role. He was with, he was the guy that was Cambridge Analytica who came out and said that they got this stuff from Facebook? Yeah, and that they basically, I mean, they hadn't gotten it illegally, but they had duped some people into into getting it. And, I mean, they're, they're, Cambridge Analytica didn't get it directly from Facebook, I think. Uh, oh, the professor the, did. Alexander Kogan yeah. got it um, and then sold it to Cambridge Analytica. And Cambridge Analytica then turned around and sold it or gave it to the um, Trump, and, Trump campaign? Well, they were hired by the Trump campaign to do uh, right. work during the campaign, so... So Wiley was in testifying this week? Yes, he was there on Wednesday. But Democrats only? I I wasn't there, okay. uh, but I think it was because mostly I th- just I Democrats. Because I think, in effect, the committee, in the, at least my impression was, the committee and the House committee basically said, we're done, right? Right. I mean, Democrats, if they want, can have the guy in and say, hey, let's, you know, let's have a conversation, but it might not be re- reflected in the final report, and... There's not much more they can do. No, and the that. ranking Democrat, Adam Schiff, has made it very, very clear that our work is not done. There are a lot of other people we should talk to. You know, we haven't got to, but the Republicans said, no, we're, yeah. we're done. We're done. Uh, in the Senate, what's going on? In the Senate? You don't hear much about it anymore. They are a lot more quiet about their work, and they are, you know, a lot more secretive about their work. The top Democrat and the top Republican, Richard Burr and Mark Warner, do not talk a ton about what they are doing um, but Burr did tell me, I think it was earlier this week, that they have a, a, a defined amount of people left to interview. So they're still interviewing people, but it's not a number that's really growing much at this point. Um, and they've kind of been towards the end of their interviews for a while. But at the same time, they keep getting more documents and they keep getting more information from witnesses. And that opens up potentially new uh, leads in the investigation that they need to pursue. So. They're still kind of trudging away and doing so a lot more quietly than the House did. Do they have a? Do they have a? a, a like, have they set themselves a, a goal or a time deadline? This is we're going to wrap up by this, and then we're going to do our report, and then we're going to get our report out by. Da, da, da. Do we have any idea when this is all going to wind down? I mean, they've always had aspirational goals. A few months back, I think it was in the fall, they said, we'd like to wrap up our interviews at least by the end of the year. That, of course, did not happen. Um, And they also say they're going to be putting out the full election security report uh, potentially soon. They're going to be wrapping it up potentially next week, and then it would have to likely go through declassification whatnot. But, uh, you know, that report should be coming out at some point. There was a hearing while back about this and they had kind of put out like a an initial summary report the full one will be coming out and then for the final reports who knows i think they want to wrap it up this year but it it all depends on whether they keep finding more stuff and 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 pulling more people in for interviews yeah it's it's interesting the connection between what the senate is doing and what robert Mueller is doing or if there is any pardon me Bless you. <laughs> I think on. that's the second time in my entire career I've had to sneeze on air. 
<laughs> is it me? Are you allergic to me? That might be uh, it. Uh, might be it. You got to stop drinking so much on air. That's <laughs> the problem. Nothing wrong with a little gin in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> it's iced tea. I'm just kidding. It's iced tea. I'm not mixed Ronnie. With, I'm not Ronnie Jackson. Mixed with gin, of course. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, I was saying about whether the Senate gets through before Robert Mueller does or whether they're working together, I guess. Who they knows? are not working together. They're working kind of, I guess, in parallel. They've they had they made a big point of when Mueller was appointed to deconflict, as they say, make sure that they're not going to be, you know, interfering with one another. And it kind of seems like once people have been indicted by Mueller um, or really caught up in that, the the Senate committee has a lot more trouble getting information for them. So like they tried to interview Paul Manafort really early on in the investigation because they knew he was going to get wrapped up in the Mueller stuff and that he yeah. would not be available. Right. Uh, the big news on the uh, on the uh, Hill uh, this week, but probably the biggest news, was uh, the fate of Ronnie Jackson. Um, they didn't. Ha- they postponed um, their um, confirmation hearing on him. Uh, that was a Republican chairman's decision, correct? Johnny Isaacson's decision. I postponed. believe so. Right. Um, and it was John Tester, the Democrat, who um, came, who put forth a report that his staff had compiled after talking to 24 different people, both military personnel and former military and civilian personnel who had worked with Dr. Jackson in the White House over the last three administrations. Um, and uh, Donald Trump yesterday, again in this interview with Fox and Friends, uh, said that because of that, he's going to go after. John Tester. I think John Tester has to have a big price to pay in Montana. Okay. So, first of all, you cover the Congress. It is part of the Senate's job uh, to confirm or not to confirm presidential appointees, right? Correct. I mean, so, in a, Tester is doing his job. Would you agree? I, it would seem so, uh, but some Republicans have taken issue with the way he's gone about it, um, with putting out this report and these allegations, um, and just the way he's done it. But Republicans have also expressed a lot of frustration this week with the vetting process that goes on in the White House before these nominees are sent over. It seems like essentially no vetting was done here. If all these people he worked with are saying this, then what did they do at the White House to vet him? Nothing. I mean, like it's it, it, nothing. <laughs> it is this weird period of time, right, where we expect things to be so much different with Donald Trump, right? He, I mean, by his own admission, he's going to do things a lot differently. But there are still some pretty basic things that you have to get right to run a successful organization, whether it's governmental or not. And maybe doing a little bit of a, 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 a background, maybe not a background check, but just doing a little look into what the history is of this person that you're trying to hire. Yeah, but I mean... Not as, a bad idea. As you point out, um, it, it, not just Democrats, but some Republicans have said, I think it was Lisa Murkowski I saw who was quoted as saying, look, they're supposed to do this down at the White House, right, before they send these people over here, right? So they should come over, and we ought to know, kind of, at least for starters, what the background is, what their qualifications are, and have some confidence that people have looked at their background, right, to see if there are any problems that could pop up, right? Yeah. And this, I think... And in this case, they clearly did not. 
It would seem that way. And I think they're also experiencing a little bit of nominee fatigue. You know, this is an administration that has seen a lot of turnover in the cabinet and the Senate keeps having to go through these lengthy, time consuming Mm -hmm. confirmation processes. And it takes up time. It takes up floor time that the Senate could be using to do other things. Um, And they've already got a big backlog of nominations for judicial posts and positions within the government. So you know, I think there's a bit of frustration setting in because of the vetting and just the sheer number of them coming through. Right. Which some people, I've, I've seen that some people have have uh, um, have said that if the president were ever to fire Jeff Sessions, it would be very tough getting anybody else confirmed as attorney general, particularly right. because Sessions is one of them, right? One of their buddies served in the Senate for so long and still has great ties there. It wasn't that long ago he left the Senate. Mm-hmm. Uh, that for him to fire their former colleague and then put somebody else in, uh, he might have a rough time. Yeah, it was actually Chuck Grassley, I think, last summer when all these rumors were swirling and reports were swirling that huh. he was going to be firing Sessions or, or trying to get rid of him. Grassley said, look, the Senate Judiciary Committee mm-hmm. schedule is set and there's no room to do a confirmation process for an attorney general. I think he tweeted it, actually, which was kind of a warning shot. Like, you know, don't send me any attorney general nominees because I'm not going to do it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> for Chuck Grassley, the Republican chairman. Of the committee of the Senate, that does it. Of yes. the Senate Judiciary Committee to say we won't have time to, to, to take up anybody. That's a pretty strong message. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so the, um, the Senate was able to get his big tax bill through last year. And uh, the Congress was, and they got their budget bill earlier this year, right? What else is on the agenda for this year uh, uh, in the Congress? What what can we expect? Oh, I know, infrastructure. It's always infrastructure week, man. Yeah. Infrastructure week never ends in this administration. Never ends. <laughs> Next week, officially, we're going to have infrastructure week, right? But Why not? Se- but seriously, is there? Does anybody believe that they're going to get any major legislation done this year? I think they're focused on midterms at this point. Um, The Senate right now has been considering a lot of nominations. I think McConnell yesterday filed cloture on like six judicial nominees. Um, And so that's what the Senate is going to be doing after next week when they're back from their break. And that seems like that's the bulk of it. They're probably going to take off in the summer to go campaign for the midterms and then go from there but tax reform was really the big the big uh, piece of legislation that which, they wanted to get through which was last yeah that was in, what december right yeah and then yeah. Uh, i was just listening to uh the, the so front one they got one thing done if i just one thing yeah. done in 2017 well they got a supreme court justice as well gorsuch right okay that was not major legislation i'm talking <laughs> about major legislation yeah one thing done in 2017 and one thing done in 2018. It looks like that's going to be it. I mean, I, I don't see anything more on the agenda. You cover it. I'm just asking you. I was listening, I mean, to, the, I was listening to the Frontline podcast, by the way. They were talking about it was all about Trump's first year and how he got the tax stuff done. Yeah. And there were still some voices on there that were saying, like, hey, you know what? It was a weird first year, but gosh, the second year is going to be great. We're going to get so much stuff done. And, I'm, and I was thinking to myself, we're almost halfway through this year. I mean, we're getting pretty close to the halfway point. Mm-hmm. And the closer we get to the midterms, the less is going to get done. So I, 
Uh, and I, by the way, that's always the case. Sure, sure, No matter sure, who's in charge, sure. that's always the case. Once they get, once they really get into the midterms, like once the primaries are over, then it's full tilt boogie, right, through, mm-hmm. to the through November, right? I mean, and they pass, you know, legislation every day, you know, that's non-controversial. But in terms of major legislation, I haven't heard any talk about anything big coming up. No. You know there won't be anything big on immigration reform or infrastructure or climate change or, I mean, you name it. I don't know anything that's even moving, right? They would. Um, yeah. Pretty pathetic. But that's what it is. Yeah. I mean, this is where we are, right? <laughs> right. Uh, and it really does come down to, I mean, everybody harps on that, what did the president, what did the Congress get done in that first year? It, it really is more important now than ever because it's really the only time that they have to get things done. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and and particularly because the Republicans hoped that the tax bill was going to be their ticket for 2018, that that's, that was a big, going to be the foundation of we delivered on this tax bill that helps everybody, that's what we're going to run on. Uh, and so far, it hasn't proven to be the political uh, plus that they uh, that they expected. Uh, I don't know. Keeps you busy, no matter whether they're getting anything done or not. I know that, uh, Emma. Thanks so much for the good work you do for BuzzFeed. Have a good weekend. You too. Good success crashing. Uh, we'll talk later. About <laughs> we'll talk <laughs> later, right? Okay. Uh, and the rest of the weekend is yours, folks. Enjoy it. If you haven't already done so, check out our website for the latest on uh, my new book, From the Left, A Life in the Crossfire. Great life and a great read. Have a great weekend, and we'll look for you on Monday. Come on back and see us on Monday. This is The Bill Press Show.